Welcome back to the Across the Browns podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Adams, joined today, as always, by the Cleveland Spider himself. In fact, the Indians are going to change their name, and they're going to ask. They're probably going to buy John's Twitter account out. <laughs> like, multi-million dollar Twitter account right here. <laughs> you, need on that call. S, you need to put an S at the end of your name. Now. <laughs> I got to snatch out that other Twitter handle for sure. Dude, you should. It's not going to change anything. When people go to find you this, hold up. You should actually do that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely, yeah, I'm doing <laughs> it now as we speak. Hold on. You could be on. like, I don't need the million dollars, but what I do need is season tickets for life. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, you know what? I'll take the million. I'll go. I'll still, I'll buy some games. I don't games. think you're going to get a million from Dolan. <laughs> no. Let's stay away from that conversation. <laughs> so, uh, we got a pack show today. I've got to finish. I've got an exam to do, a paper to do. I got to study for a fire marshal exam tomorrow. So, I've got a busy night Ooh-wee. and morning tomorrow. So, we're going to try to keep this one short and sweet. It's not going to happen, but we're going to let you know that we're trying. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's going to be all over the place, folks. Uh, obviously, Browns beat the Titans pretty pretty handily. They won by six. But any it is very disappointing. To, you know, we're going to get right into it. This is what I told John I wanted to be the first topic. I preach this topic all the time. Every sing, single person I talk to about it. I know John's heard me talk about it before, at least I think. When you get up in sports, I don't care what the hell you're playing, Except for maybe baseball, you might have to change it up because you pull your starter or something like that. So especially basketball and football. When you get up, do not stop doing what you're doing. I'm not here trying to say that I'm a better coach than Kevin Stefanski or understand the game more than him. Obviously, that is the farthest thing from the truth. However, there are very few coaches in sports at any level that do this. But the ones that do are so effective at it. Like, so 2016, 2017, 2015, that was all over the place. 2015 to 2018, Golden State Warriors. They had such good point differentials because what they were doing, they kept doing. They didn't pull Curry in the middle of the third quarter to just give him like a 20-minute rest and just go like, if things were working, they would play the game out. The game was obviously out of reach. Then they would start, you know, doing the precautious things, taking your stars out, you know, taking the 24 seconds off the shot clock. It really drives me nuts when Baker Mayfield's out here slinging the rock like that and we just completely go away from it. He was doing so good against this defense. You do not go away from that. You, You just, any sport, when you get up, there's no reason to change how you are playing. And that drives me fucking bananas, John. It drives me nuts. Like, it's working. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt aren't really working right now in the run game. So let's try to make them a focal point. But doing so, by keep attacking them through the air, and just literally reverse play action. Like, it, the pass is working so damn well. Baker Mayfield is alongside, I think it's only Russell Wilson. It might be Russell Wilson, one of their quarterbacks. To throw over 30 attempts and average like 10 yards per throw or catch. It's absolutely insane. Russell Wilson's been one of the best quarterbacks the last 
seven years in the league. Like he was doing that well. Um, we'll talk about his play later and what this actually means. Like before I let John talk about the, uh, what I just brought up, like another thing with Baker, first of all, people throw out the word hater a lot. If you ever criticized him and I keep saying this stuff and I don't feel attacked. Like I've never hated on Baker. I've always said this year, like he's just not playing well enough to be signed long-term yet, but I've always like prefaced it with, I think he has all the talent in the world. It's between the ears. I think I might've said that on the best bets show last week, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. There's not enough evidence to say that Baker Mayfield, your franchise quarterback from that one game. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. He was freaking phenomenal. That was the most fun I've ever had watching the Browns in my entire life. And it was on my birthday, like the sweetest birthday (laughs) gift ever. And that's pretty cool. It was the best game I've ever seen Baker Mayfield play in a Browns jersey. I tweeted that was that was the boomer bake. Like that was that was Oklahoma Days Baker. He was loose. He was having fun. He was getting out of the pocket. He was reading through some progressions. Still getting rid of the he was still not having to get off his first read very often, but that's what a good coach does with a young quarterback, Sean McVay. Most notable one that does that really well with golf. But there's not enough evidence here to say that Baker Mayfield is the franchise quarterback just yet. Obviously, this is the right trajectory. In the past four games are a great example of what you want to see from your franchise quarterback. You don't have to go out there and throw 300 yards with four touchdowns every single game. Those three games before where he's throwing, you know, 100 to 200 yards and one touchdown, zero touchdowns, but not turning the ball over. I'm fine with that, too. He's not this offense isn't built for him to go out and sling the rock. These last four games are exactly what you need to see from a franchise quarterback. But you do have to also point out the fact that he hasn't gone against an elite defense in those four games either. Um, again, not trying to be negative, just being as objective as possible. What he does against the Ravens and what he does against the Steelers will absolutely be able to dictate where we're going in heading into year four. I'm pretty sure Clay's Campbell is going to be back. Brendan Williams is going to be back. People like Clay's Campbell, not a good matchup for a player like Baker Mayfield. Being able to get pressure early, being able to get hands up in the air. But I think I'm confident he's going to play well. Um, he's He just looks more confident. He's able to, he's not running. He's not splitting out to the right every single snap. So... Long story short, that whole beginning rant, when you get up, you need to keep doing what you're doing. There's absolutely no reason to differ from that. Secondly, Baker Mayfield is well on his way to proving that he is a guy you can sign long term, but he still needs to do more. Like, You don't want to get stuck in a Carson Wentz situation with how he's playing now, which Carson Wentz is probably going to go somewhere in Ryan Tannehill's career anyway. Just because that's kind I mean, of that shit. He's works, stuck but. in Philly for at least a year or two. He's he's oh, a lot of dead him. money. That's They're, what I'm saying. They can't. I don't think they can. I think they they would have so much dead money on there. Mm. Like it's that might not be a movable contract for two years. That's he just re, he just re up for four. Oh no! So it's a bad situation there for yeah, sure. It is, but um, so not being a Baker hater definitely was fantastic. But I also like if Mason Rudolph was bad for four games straight and then had a herb. 
whatever he, you know the stretch there was a bad stretch by Baker Mayfield um and then Mason Rudolph played the Jets the Bengals and the Jaguars I know those weren't the three teams we played I'm just naming three bad teams people mm-hmm. and then went off on a a good team not a great team y'all would be saying that he's still trash so reason I say that is let people criticize Baker it's allowed to be done. You can still criticize someone and not be a fucking douchebag about it, which most people I associate myself with do a great job of that. A couple people on Twitter <laughs> that I would like to slap in the face. But so criticize what you think needs to be changed without being a D bag, but also acknowledge when he did great. And he absolutely was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That was a long winded intro, but I had a lot to get out of my chest, John. No, I, uh, I don't blame you. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, well, again, happy birthday, first of all. For That was uh, really cool that you got the Titans win, you know, the uh, Browns win, oh, beat the so Titans sweet. on your birthday. Um, yeah, I mean, that game, you know, <laughs> that, that game was, like you said, one of the most fun things ever. I mean, there are, uh, I think it was, uh, not I think, I know, it was the 2007 season when Derek Anderson um, went crazy. They, I think one of the early games, like second or third game of the year, they played, they beat Cincinnati like 55 to 45. And it was just, you know, it was like touchdown Braylon Edwards, like on every other throw. It just felt like, oh my God, it was like a college game. You were just like, this is incredible. And, you know, crazy, you know, terrible defenses on both sides, but whatever. It was so much fun. It was just, you know, you didn't even care. So, and, um, and this game you know, it was kind of the opposite because that Cincinnati game from 07, I mean, they were going back and forth and it was like, oh, who's going to win? And it was actually, it was kind of like the Cincinnati game we played, you know, this year, uh, where they ended up having to, you know, trade up, trade the lead back and forth uh, in the fourth quarter. But yeah, Sunday was just, you know, it's 38 to seven at the half. I mean, they just, they absolutely stepped on a team that, you know, they needed to like, um, you know, I think one of the things that we've heard over and over uh, this whole year is that, OK, so the Browns are, you know, they are what they are, I guess. But they're just a team that's beating up on a bunch of bad teams. Oh, OK, but, you know, isn't that what they're supposed to do? Like, that's part of winning, right? Like you you can only play the teams you're supposed to play. Right. And right. if you're saying they should beat these teams and then they beat those teams, that's got to be that's got to count for something. Um my uh my my buddy John Boy, who I'm sure he's listening. So hey, what's up, John Boy? Um so the fantasy league that he runs, he always writes like a, a little um kind of blurb on the on the league homepage and stuff. And it's you know, it's about the league, but it's always about the Browns too and stuff like that. And and last week, like he I thought he, this was a great point. You know, he's like, Look, people say that the the Browns are just a team that beats up on bad teams. Okay, but like what about the other teams that are kind of doing the same thing, but they lose those games like green Bay lost to Minnesota. Green Bay should beat Minnesota, but they couldn't. And Tennessee, Tennessee should have beaten Cincinnati, but they couldn't. So, you know, like we haven't seen, you know, outside of the crazy Raiders game that where the weather was ridiculous. And, and admittedly Stefanski, that's, I think that's his worst game. As far as play calling goes, they threw the ball way too much in that game with all that wind and, you know, they should have been running a lot more just to try to control that thing and keep it, um, you know, just within a score or whatever. Like that got out of it felt like that was the first and only time I've really seen him look like he was way in over his head with play calling. I mean, the Baltimore and Pittsburgh losses, they those games were over before they even started. So, you know, but throughout the Raiders game, he really had a chance 
to kind of get his team back into it. And he looked overwhelmed. It's really the only time that I could say that this entire year about Stefanski. But other than that, you know, they're winning games against teams they should beat, you know, some of the worst teams. And then, you know, the Colts win, the Tennessee win, you know, there's other wins now that you can point to and say, well, these are good teams. You know, Tennessee's defense is horrible, but they have one of the better offenses in the NFL and they have one of the better running backs in the NFL. And he got shut down versus the Browns, you know, subpar rush defense. So, (laughs) you know, they way of saying it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was trying to think of like, because they're they're actually I looked it up and they're 19th in DVOA um, for rush defense on Football Outsiders. So they're you know they're middling to to lower. Obviously they're they're you know league average uh, like improving to league average would be great for them. You know getting to 16th or 15th would be you know fantastic. So, but but yeah I mean I think you know the bottom line is you're you're right. Like you you want to see um, you don't want to see the game come down to what it came down to, you know, uh, like it would have been nice to see, you know, one stop in the second half, you know, one of those touchdowns comes off the board and now all of a sudden, you know, instead of winning by six, you went by 13 or whatever it was. And you're thinking, okay, you know, this is a much more comfortable win. Um, just uh, oddly enough, like, and, and totally aside, but did the Baker, when he fumbled the ball, I know they reviewed it. Didn't didn't he look down? I swear he was down on that one. I could not believe they kept that 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 stood yeah, on the board. But Derrick Henry weird. got that first down in the first half too. So <laughs> I don't know what yeah. that oh, call my. was by a mile. I, I know. There's one call a week that's just ridiculous. So um, and the last thing I need to say about the uh, this game is that like we need the Browns need to write a letter to the NFL officiating uh, office and say you have to start calling penalties on like the holding calls on miles Garrett. It's unbelievable. I mean, the one double team that Jake Burns put on Twitter, it was a double team and he split it and they're both holding him from either side and they don't call it. I mean, there were so many, he got, he had one that they replayed, um, where he's coming around and he got to the backside of Tannehill and reached out and, and touched his Jersey and yanked on it a little, but the guy was like pulling him down away from Tannehill. I mean, he's right at the quarterback and they're not calling this, you know, it's it couldn't be more obvious. So, yeah, they have yeah. to change the way they officiate him because, I mean, I know he's wrecking the league, but he he should have more or, or more holding calls that would result in more, you know, negative plays and, and right. uh, drive killers for the other teams. So we've, we've incredible before, game, though, and so much fun. This is the first game that Miles Garrett played in where it wasn't like he might have won us that game the first time. And it's nice because we look at this team and say our quarterback won that game single handedly. No one outside of Baker Mayfield won that game. Um, I'm not saying that they couldn't have won the game. Uh, I obviously think they have the firepower to win that game in other ways. Um, And it's a weird spot. Like being up 30 points at halftime in the NFL is a terrible spot to be in. They're not little kids. You don't go in there and yell at them. Like, because if that happens in a high school game, your coach comes in most high school coaches and rip you. They say everything mm-hmm. you did poorly in the first half while you're still up 30. So you're like, Oh, come on. We, we know what we <laughs> did. Wait, they don't have to fire us up. Um, yep. you can't go in there. You don't go you in the NFL. I don't care if you're Bill Belichick. I don't care if you're Sean McVay, whoever you are, you never go in there and just light people up. It doesn't happen. Like they know what they need to do. It's their job. People come prepared. The ones that aren't there and ready aren't playing. So you don't have to go in and yell at players ever in the NFL, but it's hard to keep them motivated up 30. And I mean, you're just putting an absolute dumping on a team that you were a six point dog against. 
Um, so it, it was a weird situation. I there, the the Browns just absolutely outplayed them. I mean, it was the most. It was yep. six point win on the stats, but it was the most convincing win of the year for any team. Um, and it's a pretty big statement. You're right. Yeah, pretty big statement. So sixty two yards rushing total for yeah. the Titans in that game. Sixty two, yeah. three point four yards per carry. <laughs> yeah, and you want to know Amazing. something? Nick Chubb on the year is averaging 4.6 yards after contact. <laughs> oh, and the time of possession. This is beautiful. So the Browns had it for 36 minutes and 46 uh, seconds. The, Tennessee held the ball for 23 minutes and 14 seconds. That's incredible. Almost That's double. Crazy. Amazing, amazing job. That's amazing. Okay, so, John, I just thought of something. We're going to try something live. We didn't Ooh. talk about this. We've never tried it. <clears throat> Love it. After we get through these questions, I'm going to ask you a random question like you always ask me. Okay. We're going to try to do this podcast where we like actively ask each other questions and okay. try to like keep our responses to like 30 seconds a minute and try to make it like a conversation because okay. John and I got into a heated argument before. I think it's our first time we like actually argued. There was one other time, but it was about a movie or something. I recorded it and I might post <laughs> it on YouTube just as like a bonus, but it was such good content because we were talking back and forth. Now, I'll admit a few times I went, whoa, 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 listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. <laughs> and I need to get better about not doing that. But anyway, I think I think it would be much more entertaining if we went back and forth. So we're going to try that. But first, Let's do it. question, and you don't have to answer it. I was listening to okay. the Courage and Nate Chacho, which I'm sure 95% of the people here listening don't know what that is. Okay. They're... Uh, Anyway, what is the most embarrassing moment of your life, sports related, that you feel free like sharing? Like you're you're embarrassed. You were so embarrassed in the moment, but now looking back on it, like it's kind of funny. Sports related, embarrassing moment. Yeah, even if it's not sports related, it's not that bad. If you want to think about it, I can tell you mine. Well, if it's this is semi sports related. No, I I mean one thing came to mind immediately, so for sure. Um, and so this, I'm going to make it even harder for you because this is what they did. You have to tell us a beautiful story, but it has to be two and a half minutes. So you have to get this whole thing out in two and a half minutes. Oh yeah. That's no problem. This is easy. So, oh, okay. The hell? So, well, this is cause this isn't like an extravagant one or whatever. Oh. This is just, you know, so, um, okay. So this is eighth grade. I went to St. Mary Magdalene grade school. It's in Willowick, Ohio, um, which it doesn't exist anymore, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, so we had uh, we had gym days um, on specific days or whatever, like Fridays where, you know, you'd have gym. And so it was a Catholic grade school. So we had to wear like a dress shirt and dress pants and a tie. And so you had to wear your um, your gym shirt. You just wear it underneath like your dress shirt. And then, you you know, when it's time to change, all the boys go in the bathroom and then you just take off your dress shirt and your tie and put it in your bag. And then you just have to get your shorts out of the bag and put them on and tennis shoes. You're good to go. So. I'm in there and uh, got in there like later. And so I was one of the last ones uh, changing me and my friend Todd. Um, and we, uh, I just went to the bathroom real quick and then was done. And so now I walk out into the, uh, you know, follow him out into the hallway real quick. And then there's a water fountain right there. So I lean down to take a drink of water real quick. Todd's behind me and he stands there and he, he just t- says to me, he goes, Kaufman, are you wearing shorts? And I was like, I just forgot to put my shorts on. Like, so 
I'm just standing there at the water fountain with tennis shoes on and <laughs> assuming tidy whities or some kind of underroofs, hopefully Spider-Man, uh, my gym shirt, and nothing, nothing. Just a half-naked sort of kid in eighth grade, you know. And if anybody that's watched the show on YouTube, you know, I was – I'm basically the same – I mean, it was tiny, you know, it was five whatever and 106 pounds. And so, so I, like, pull my shirt down to my knees, which – I don't know even what the point of that is because Todd's the only one in the hallway and he's already seen my underwear, my ass <laughs> hanging out of my underwear, my tidy whities. So I like this is irrelevant. So then I run back into the bathroom and I grab my shorts and now I just pull them on up over my tennis shoes real fast because that's all I need. Of course, I'm going to be late for gym now. And we also you know we get yelled at for that stuff, too, because it's a Catholic grade school. And so I got my shorts on. I go back in the hallway. I run down the hall to get to the gym. Todd's nowhere to be found. He's already gone. OK. I mean, listen, I'm one of the faster kids like in our grades. I might have been the fastest kid in my grade school and one of the fastest in my high school. OK, I was always really fast. Uh, I guess I didn't make the two and a half minute story, Mark. I, I, I can tell I can make any story into five or you're six at or three seven. right now. So you're close. Yeah, ne never fails. So, um, OK, so I mean, and I imagine the embarrassment, right? Like you, you're drinking water. Someone says, hey, why don't you put some pants on, you moron? And so I run into the bathroom, throw my shorts on run out of the bathroom, run down the hallway and get to the gym. I open up the gym door. Todd has already told the entire fucking story to everybody. You know, they're all lined up. All my classmates are doing like calisthenics and warming up and shit. So the second I open the door, it's just a cacophony of laughter, right? It's like <laughs> everybody Kaufman didn't put his pants on. And so everybody's just fucking dying <laughs> of laughter. And I'm just like my bright red. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm just the moron who forgot to put his pants on. So, but yeah, it was hysterical. I'll never I'll never forget that as long as I live for sure. That was hysterical. But oh my God. so semi sports related. It was it happened near gym class. In so gym class. I thought mine was embarrassing, but I wish I would have went first now. Um, <laughs> so that's hilarious. I would have laughed at you. Um, of course, I left in me. <laughs> so my most embarrassing moment, uh, the more I think about it, the more I think it's not really embarrassing. It's just sad. Um, so I'm in fifth grade to be my first year of football. Um, I didn't really want to play anyway. My dad was making me. Uh, thank you, Jason. Um, but there's a 120 pound weight limit. Now, for a fifth grader, 120 pounds is like well above the average sized kid. Like if you're not sure. under 120 pounds, you're you're fat as a kid, which is fine. I was fat. I was a big, large child. <laughs> and if you're over 120 pounds, you have to have a stripe on your helmet, and you cannot touch the ball. You have to be a lineman. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm 128 pounds. Four days before weigh-in, I'm okay with it. I'm like, whatever. I'll I'll play tackle. I don't care. <laughs> I like defensive end anyway. And my dad goes, Hell, no. Are you kidding me? Well, he actually, his famous line is, you fucking kidding me? And everyone that ever <laughs> sees him says that exact line. That's his famous line. And I swear to God, at in fifth grade, I don't even know how old you are. How old are you in fifth grade? Like probably 10? 10? Yeah. 10 or 11? 10 or 11. Yeah, around there. 128 pounds. My dad goes, all right, first night, four days before weigh-in. Only allowed to have salads with Italian dressing. No <laughs> toppings, just lettuce and Italian dressing. And I'd like to any Karens out there listening. He is a good dad. He's this is the this is the worst thing he's ever done, and he just doesn't know that much about nutrition. So I I, I think he tried. 
<laughs> Unless um, the story ends with he beat me with the ranch dressing <laughs> bottle, I think you're going to be okay. <laughs> um, so that night, nothing in this story is fabricated. I fabricate a lot of shit. Nothing in this is fabricated. We're at our oh, no, camper. I you on Twitter. At my my parents' campground where they camp. We're at, and he gets on the golf cart. He says, all right, let's go. I get on the golf cart and he just stares at me and says, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, what? He's like, you're running. I'm like, what? I'm in fifth grade. I've never exercised in my life. My entire life to this point has been playing sports when I have to, not pra- not not doing it on my own will, and playing <laughs> Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, killing hookers. So... I get off and I start running and I'm crying and we're running on stones and he's chasing me with the golf cart and he's to, mm, to be realistic, probably six feet behind me, but it felt like he was like, it's like in the grocery store when you're about to get clipped by the cart yep. and you're like, eh. yep. that's what it felt like the whole run. And I'm crying you know it, but- and he's like, you're all right. Just keep running pussy. And so I keep running and finally we stop. And I'm like, oh, thank God. And I'm still crying. And he's just picking up his cousin. He's like, all right, get going again. And they're both back there just (laughs) laughing at me. So then we finally stop after I've probably only ran a mile, but I am throwing up. Like, just cannot feel my legs. Crying. Oh, no. And he's like, all right, let's do some push-ups. And he sat there and made me do push-ups. I had never done a a push-up before. And he was in the military, so he's like, elbows in, chest on the ground. Are you kidding me? And so we did push-ups. Finally, he said, all right, you're done for the night. So we went back to the campground, to, to the camper, and they were grilling out chicken and steak. So mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, this is my shit. This is my jam. They had cake there for a dessert. I go up to grab a piece of chicken, and guess what he says? You fucking kidding me? No chicken. A salad. <laughs> Looking back on that, now that I'm into nutrition, that, that was a terrible idea, but whatever. <laughs> Long story short, this goes on for four days straight. I swear to God, ate nothing but salads and Italian dressing, worked out. I was 128 and some change. Weigh-in day, didn't eat that morning. Got there, 120 pounds and six ounces. I was not able to touch the ball. I was six ounces overweight. They They were like, go pee, you go do whatever you have to do. But then some guy was like, nope, that was your way in. You don't get to go, like, do whatever. So I get out. I get out of the way in room. I'm bawling my eyes out. I was down in my underwear. And as a fifth grader around a bunch of grown men, being in your underwear is terrifying. Like, I mean, just Um, being in underwear as a fifth grader is terrifying anyway. A lot of Catholic priest stories that start out that way, unfortunately. Yeah, Yeah. my my Catholic priest was actually just arrested for sex trafficking. But we proceed. Um Yeah, I swear to God, true story. I'll tell that a different time. I'm sure. But I get out of the way in room. I'm bawling my eyes out before our first ever scrimmage. This is my first ever football scrimmage. My dad whips out three egg burritos. This does have a touching ending. Three egg burritos. He whipped them up. I mean, they were huge. I scarfed all three of them down, and he just sat there and told me it's okay. I tried and all this stuff and consoled me or whatever. Mm. Uh, I went on to be the, I was like sack-wise, like second or third in the, in the city league at defensive end, but they called me cupcake. There because you go. I was so soft. Like if I got hit hard, cause I was just bigger than every kid. If I got hit hard, I was like, uh, like I didn't like it <laughs> until my second year in the league. And then I loved getting hit or whatever, but nice. I am in the middle of this <laughs> podcast. Yes. Yeah. 
I was in the middle of a good story too. Are you? God. Uh oh. Anywho, um, cross out the save the date. It might not yeah, be happening now. Yeah, don't accept them. But so anyway, that's the like. Just it. I guess it's not embarrassing, but it was because like at in fifth grade, I had to go on a diet and a workout regimen. But oh my God, that was the most seeing one. I. I swear to God, there are a few things in your life where you just have an image of the rest of your life. Like I can remember every yeah. single thing vividly as a like video in my head, but this is there is an image, a picture. Anytime I see one twenty point six and any like sort of thing, like if I see a number, a phone number, and it's like one twenty seven eight six, I swear to God, I see the scale. It was a digital scale. It was gray. It had the little oh. black footprints, and it was like zeroed. 120.6 and I just like it oh, scars gosh. me because I I wanted to play tight end so badly like so mm, badly of course and my dad already had Ozzy Newsom's number picked out for me yeah. didn't work oh man I was a center Damn. so it was fun because I was like kind of in charge of the offensive line so it was it was a good time I got to learn more about offense and defensive line which if you don't ever play those positions it takes a while to earn a respect for them but yeah, sure. so I know my dad's oh, listening yeah. to this, so screw you and thank you at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, what's it called, Mister? Uh, uh <laughs> Are you? It's kind of funny because now every single time I go home, and I'm going home this weekend, so Dad, I don't know when you're listening to this, but every single morning that I'm home, this is exact. I walk out there. He's watching. He's always watching some '80s war movie or. It's called from like from above or something. It's on the History Channel. And it's like, now if we go over the Omaha Plains and it's just, and first of all, it's a British man talking about America and it's just from a bird's eye. That's what it's called. Bird's eye view or something like that. And he watches it okay. every, and I'm like, I know that sounds like, oh, that's such a dad thing to do. But like, that's not like the kind of, my dad's not like the typical white dad where he just like sits there and read books and stuff. My dad's like, violent, score, <laughs> Metallica. <laughs> So it's so strange. But anyway, now every morning I'm like, let's go work out. Let's go do something. And he doesn't. And it's just funny because the roles have completely flipped. But I'm sorry. I know if, if you're here to talk about the Browns, that was a long story. But um, yeah, it was a good one, though. It's worth it. And to uh, Mr. Adams, if you're listening, uh, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> oh, I love it. I love God, it. He, yeah, he earned that line. He was our baseball coach. Uh, he was our like stats guy. and third like outfield and catcher coach and literally only yell at me and you could just hear from across the diamond i was a first baseman anytime i didn't scoop a ball or something you fucking kidding me great it's great but all right awesome let's move on the baltimore ravens john we're gonna we gotta do this conversation thing week 14 ravens so we'll we'll fit this all we'll 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 make sure we touch every subject we both want to touch, but I want to try this and okay. like this conversation method. Okay. So we'll see how this goes. Could go absolutely terribly. First thing I want to ask you. I doubt it. We're really good at yeah. this. First thing I, I want to ask. Yep. What do you say? Because I, I know I know how I feel about it, and I was obviously very late on the Lamar train. John will tell you okay. firsthand. I was very late to the Lamar's good train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What? Please tell me what you tell these say to all these Browns fans on here saying that Lamar Jackson is now bad. Please shed some light on the situation before we get to the Browns. Well, I think um, 
I don't know. I, 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 I guess, you know, the, the right answer is always like in the middle, especially with a lot of these sports things like, um, you know, like Carson Wentz, like he, you know, was an MVP conversation a couple years ago before he tore his ACL. Now he's, you know, arguably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. They're benching him for Jalen Hurts. Like, you know, Lamar Jackson MVP last year, this year he's struggling. Like, I just, I, I don't, maybe he wasn't as, you know, maybe last year was a little bit of a surprise because teams hadn't really seen him yet and they wasn't, you know, they couldn't really figure out how to defend him accurately. And, you know, this year he's had to be a little bit more of a, of a passer and he's not doing it. He's not showing up. And so I don't know, I guess I, I, I mean, I think it's accurate to say, you know, he's, he's definitely not as good as, you know, this year as he was last year. That's for sure. I mean, anybody could tell you that. Um, I mean, he was dealing with a little bit of a knee injury earlier this year, but still, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much that impacted things, but I think the bottom line is that, you know, he, he's definitely worse this year than he was last year, but maybe, you know, this might be the ceiling or the floor year for him. Yeah. Like maybe he's never this bad again. Maybe he turns into, you know, a player that's, um, I don't know, like uh, not quite as good as last year ever, but not as bad as this year ever. And he could be like a league average guy, but he definitely has some, you know, making up to do in passing. Like he's got to figure some stuff out because they're not connecting. Like Marquise Brown has something like, like the worst deep ball rate in the NFL. Like they just, he, they cannot connect on that. And until they do, he, he, they're going to struggle. He's going to struggle. Yep. I completely agree. Um, like we said about his floor year, this could be it, but also we only saw, a year and a half of this greatness. So it, he could have reached his peak fast because teams didn't know what he was doing. But we do know that if injuries do not occur, he'll be a quarterback in this league for years. He's, he's one of the best runners in the entire game, no matter position. Yeah. He's, There'll always be a spot for him, for he, sure. He like has he's, arm strength. But he does. He, when you can run the ball and you can throw the ball 60 yards, there's a spot for you. And you're probably going to yeah. be a top 10 quarterback you're going to be you know like flirting with the top 10 your entire career even if you're not the most accurate even if you're not you know you can't just sit in a pocket and win a game with just your arm but that's not the way the game's going like russell wilson um kyler murray lamar jackson like these they're coming or josh allen they can win with their feet um you kind of see it with baker like it's in some games it's very noticeable like he just cannot like the ravens are going to be a good one if clay's campbell's playing like he just can't get around Calais Campbell, someone that's six, seven, six, eight. <laughs> Baker's just not fast enough. So that's Tracking where you need down. to see can he win with his feet and I mean his arm and his eyes. Oh, we'll see if he can. But yeah. um you want to uh, Lamar's too unique, yeah. that's for sure. You want to just do it like um yeah, you asked me a question, but we kind of try to stay on like the topics we want to talk about. How you want to do this? Yeah, we could do that, man. Um so I was looking up uh, some of the football outsiders, um, you know, their their metric is DVOA, um, which is, you know, a really helpful tool for measuring. You love, um, you love that measurement. I do like that one a lot. Yeah. I mean, PFF's good, too, obviously, and stuff. But I, you know, and I just happened to just happened to be on football outsiders earlier thinking about what to talk about on the podcast. And this came up. And so um, so for overall offensive DVOA. Do you think uh, the Browns are rated higher than Baltimore or reverse? So this is so this is overall offensive DVOA. Yeah, this is, um, so who's higher? I think it's the Browns, but um, okay. 
I think it's the Browns only because of how efficient. It depend, I don't really know what DVOA is calculated by. Like I know I haven't looked at them, but if we took PFF grades for the Browns and the Ravens, the Browns are going to be much higher. They're going to have a much higher grade because their offensive line and running backs are grading so great. They're the first team to ever in the 14 years of PFF to have the number one run blocking and pass blocking squad ever. Now that's with missing their best offensive lineman for five games, which is insane. Um, then their two running backs are two of the highest graded running backs. Um, Jarvis and Rashard Higgins and Hooper have graded fantastic. And in fact, Baker Mayfield has graded fantastic. So I know efficiency in that way, the Browns have been much better on offense than the Ravens, but DVOA, I'm not sure what calculates into that, to be honest. Okay, well, the just a real quick explanation. So it's a method of evaluating teams, units, and players. They take every single play in the NFL season and compare it to a league average baseline based on a situation. So DVOA is good because it measures, it doesn't just measure like yardage, but it measures yardage towards a first down. So like context is relevant. It gives t- context to everything. Like five yards on third and four, it's that's a better play than five yards on first and 10 and much more than like five yards on third and 12. And th- there's an explanation on their website. I'm, I'm looking at this up right now and just kind of checking it out. So um, like red zone plays are worth more than other oh, plays. Oh, the Browns, are, the Browns also, are higher than the Ravens cause, just because red zone alone. Okay. Okay. So yeah, so you're just, you're, you're giving every play context, right? Like, you know, garbage time stuff is not going to weigh as heavily, you know, I would s- like what the Titans did in the second half against us. It's not going to weigh as heavily as what the Browns did to the Titans in the first half Then I would say between week. the Bengals, Cowboys, Titans, and I'd say just those, like those games alone would probably help the Browns, but obviously the Ravens and Steelers games heavily negate them. But uh, who, what's the answer? Yep. So the Browns are 12th in offensive DVOA, Baltimore's 21st. Yeah. So in passing, offensive passing DVOA, who's higher? Um, Definitely the Browns, just because Baker's been efficient the last few weeks, and um, Lamar hasn't been very good deep, and RG3's had to play, and they missed their, they've missed Ronnie Stanley. There's a lot of factors. I'm not giving the Ravens an excuse, but they're, they're still a good team. I think that's something that needs to be said. People are kind of writing this game off early, which is terrifying to me. Doesn't really matter as long as the players don't. But um, yeah, I'd say True. I'd say the Browns are definitely top five in rushing. Then, and the uh, Ravens are probably top fifteen. So in passing, the passing the Ravens are the Browns are eighth. The Ravens are twenty second. What was the one you? So ju- big oh, offense is what you just said. Passing. We're talking yeah. about passing. Offensive passing. So very. Uh, sizable advantage for the Browns there. Right. That's a really good one. And then rushing DVOA, who do you think is higher? Browns. I'd say they're top five. So this is surprising. The Browns are 13th and Baltimore's fifth. Fuck. So fuck that. Wait, fuck that and, measurement. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> I think was, well, first of all, like when Nick Chubb was out, they weren't nearly okay, as good. No, like Kareem no, Hunt. You're right. You're right. That's fair. Shoulder the load, but they didn't, Sorry. you know, they weren't nearly as good then. Um, terrible. And then surprisingly, <laughs> Like the, those weather, the bad weather games hurt them in yep. both fronts because they couldn't really throw yeah. and you knew they were going to have to run. So that was a bit they of an issue, too. OK, so. you're right. Sorry. But game yeah. by game basis. It Absolutely. OK. And then the defensive side is not worth going through because the Browns are worth in every worse in every metric. So I don't I won't ask you. But uh, so defensive DVOA overall, the Browns are 19th, Baltimore 7th. Passing DVOA, the Browns are 19th again, Baltimore's 10th. 
And then rushing DVOA on defense, uh, the Browns are, again, 19th. So 19th in all three categories. Baltimore is fourth. So that's going to be, you know, the real challenge yeah. is uh, Baltimore's rush D is very good. Can the Browns run, you know, against them? Um, we, You know, Chubb and Hunt available. That's great. You know, Teller, if he's healthy, you know, that's obviously going to really help. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's going to be one of the key matchups of the game for sure uh, is going to be, can the Browns move the ball? you know, the way they want to. I don't think passing will be a problem. The only way passing will be an issue, and you tell me what you think, but, like, if, they, if they're if they not successful running the ball on first or second down, or if they're, you know, trying to do play action on first down because they want to be a, you know, smarter team, and they're just not hitting some of those, if, they're, if it's going to be a bunch of third and eights and third and nines, like, that's the recipe for the Browns losing this game. Yep. You agree? Yep. I absolutely agree. Um, okay. The... Other recipe for the Browns losing is the the linebackers. I won't even say the coverage team. Um, obviously, like you said, I don't know if it was before or after mm-hmm. we started recording, but Denzel Ward is now day-to-day, not week-to-week, which is very good. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, the Browns have two superstars on the defensive side, and he's one of them. Uh, and he is a superstar. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't get that shit twisted, people. Superstar, bona fide. Right. Right now, three years... I don't care about the injuries when he's on the field three years now of being a top three, four man coverage defender every year, which it's very hard to repeat. There's only two other, there's only one other that has repeated three years in a row. And that's Stephon Gilmore. Tredavious white. He's, he's like, he's wavered a little bit, but I think the whole bills team has just kind of been on like hangover mode from a really good year. Anyway, the other recipe is the linebackers. So, not being able to convert on first and second down. And I'm not saying you have to get first downs, but third and four, like that's what you need. Third and manageables. Um, and no waste of possessions. I don't If it's Cody Parkey, doesn't matter. You cannot punt the ball every time. Um, but the mm-hmm. linebackers, the reason I say that is because, and we'll kind of bring in the question from Do- um, Hellhound at Dog Pound East. Dude's the man. Dude's the mm-hmm. man. What's up, Hellhound? Probably drinking a beer right now. Probably delicious. <laughs> um, but, you know, he asked, like, Taki and Mac are stepping up, and that's going to be huge against the Ravens, right? And I think to a point, um, Taki does really well when it's a really, like, loaded backfield. When it's not him and another guy one-on-one in space, Taki Taki does amazing. Um, in college, he was able to just get himself into positions where you usually wouldn't be able to with his speed and strength. And um, the thing about him is the Ravens spread out so much. They don't you they don't do the Browns style as often. Where you know they have just, just picture the Ravens. Very little is it Lamar's under center. Fullback is to the right. Um, Mark Ingram in the backfield. Andrews and Doyle on the line, and then Brown and. Boykins out wide like that's that's not a lineup that the Ravens use it'd be stupid to the Ravens have Mark Andrews usually split out into like the slot where that's where he's like just ridiculously effective no line no no tight ends on the line and obviously this is just what I'm imagining I'm sure the stats say that Mark Andrews is on the line way more often I'm just saying the big plays the ones you worry about I guess um, oftentimes they have just five guys blocking and maybe the maybe the running back blocking. And why I'm bringing this up is that it worries me that the read options, the the 
just getting Mark Andrews, not Mark Andrews, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, and one-on-one spaces with our linebackers is terrifying because Mac William, Mac Wilson at, at this point in his career is not able to just be dominant in the running game. Malcolm Smith, at this time in his career, you he, he, he brought him in for pass coverage. He's not able to dominate yeah. one-on-one in the running game. Taki Taki, one-on-one, I'm still unsure. I, everyone knows I love the Taki Taki draft pick, but I still don't know about him one-on-one. He's he's missed more than he's hit on one-on-ones. When, when I, So my point of this is when he's bunched up, when it's bunched up against teams like the Titans who run like the Browns, they're sending everyone into the line. He does better because he's able to just go in and knock some shit up. And I know this is like a very... I usually like to come with stats and whatnot. This is a very like non-statistical, just kind of like what I see, what I feel argument. But I'm worried mm-hmm. that Lamar Jackson or one of these backs in space against Taki or Mac or Smith. I feel pretty good about Goodson in this in this point of his career. Like he's just not really great, and he's definitely not hurting us at at times. So he's just it's. I'm unsure how to feel about him. I think he's been worse than what I imagined, but he's just made some huge plays and defended passes in big situations that have like lifting my perspective of him. But, Mm. um, so I'm worried about the linebackers. I think the linebackers are the second biggest piece to winning this game. And I told John before, before we started recording that like miles Garrett is the worst is the worst if you were to prototype a defensive end to stop Lamar Jackson, Miles Garrett's the worst. Reason being, he's so damn fast off the line of scrimmage and gets to the quarterback so quickly. And again, don't know the stats, but it seems like the majority of the time he's coming from behind the quarterback. He's getting just going out and around, doing his bend move that everyone knows. He's patented it. No one else in the NFL has been able to do it. If you go watch Brian Baldinger about it, he's literally he said it. He's <laughs> like, I've watched everyone in the NFL the last twenty years. I've never seen anybody do this and have effectiveness. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yep. But what does Lamar Jackson do when he feels pressure behind him? And what does he do the best in the NFL as a quarterback? He gets the hell out and he makes six, seven yard plays with his feet. So the Browns aren't going to be able to play a lot of man defense this week. Miles Garrett. Getting to the passer is going to hurt us, I feel, almost more than it will hurt the Ravens unless he can get a couple strip sacks, which, you know, odds aren't with you when you're trying to get strip sacks. Um, like <laughs> They seem to be for him, but yeah, you're so right. So I'm just, worried, I'm just worried about this game because a lot, like, matchup-wise, a lot of things are pointing towards the Ravens, and I, I don't know if that's, I, I'm not trying to be a pessimist, I'm just trying to be a realist. Um, the Ravens are a good team defensively we don't match up well with what they want to do they like they are going to be able to do what they want to do against us very well is my fear um and a lot of that is because miles garrett getting to the passer is our biggest attribute and you just can't get to lamar jackson that easily now if he comes out and does it i'll be damned i'll shut my mouth i'll egg on my face i think the browns can still win this game easily i mean i think there are a few teams where i would say the browns probably don't have a chance to win ravens aren't one of them I'd say right now, Chiefs, Steelers, maybe the Packers, but the Packers have thrown out some dud games. 
the Saints, maybe the Saints. Saints with Drew Brees, I would be afraid of. Okay. Saints without Drew Brees, not okay. a chance in hell they lose that game. That's my that's my feeling okay. because they can out Saint what the Saints want to do, which is run the clock. The Browns have you know one of the best run clock running, best clock running teams in the league. Um, man, I know it was a really long answer and we wanted to try the conversation thing and we're already running long on this podcast, but that was a good question, John. And I think, mm. like you said, getting manageable third downs is the biggest key. Like you cannot just sit there and you can't have third and eights. You absolutely cannot. But, um, so now I want to ask you a question. Okay. What do the Browns need to do? offensively to not get those third and eights in your opinion. So the, actually, and this is great. Uh, so shout out to my cousin, Eddie, uh, who was, uh, who'll be listening to. So, Hey, what's up, Eddie? Um, so talk to, uh, talk to, um, him this morning and, uh, he, he had a great point. He was talking about, you know, he's like, so the Ravens had Brandon Williams, right? So it's one of the best, you know, uh, nose tackles in, in, you know, in the NFL. He's like, so who gives a shit? He's like, the Browns aren't running there anyways. Like you're going to slide that line and get, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's outside zone and it's other things like that where they, you know, they run pin pull and they do other things that are, you know, they're not, they can run away from Williams, a guy like that. Um, because that's the strength of the Browns offense, right? The strength of their running game is not really just slamming it up the middle. They're going to do other things anyways. And so I think that's the key to staying out of, um, you know, third and longs is like play to your strengths. First of all, okay. Execute and do what you do best. Like your identity is, you know, um, you know, uh, outside zone and stuff like that. Like, do, just do that. Be that team that you are anyways. Like that's what Stefanski wants to do. That's what the Browns are good at. So you know, um, so you're good there. Like you just have to do the, you just have to call plays like you normally would and don't, you know, think like you have to somehow, you know, we have to do trick plays and do crazy, you know, no, you just have to be you just show up and be who you are, you know, cause that could be enough to, uh, what's called to win that game. Um, you know, getting away from Williams and stuff like that, like some of the strengths of their players, like you're, you're, you're going to want to do that anyways. And the Browns are inclined to, so that's, you know, that's really good. Um, and I, and then I just think the other thing is, um, you know, just, and I don't know how much this is total speculation. Right. And, and I, I can't stand when, you know, podcasters or whoever do this kind of stuff. It's like, I, I don't know anybody on the Browns or the Ravens. I have no idea what anyone's thinking or not. Okay. But I know that the weight of being a Cleveland Brown, you know, the history of the team and, you know, every time you turn on the TV or listen to the radio, the Browns haven't been seven and three since blah, blah, blah. The Browns haven't been eight and three since blah, blah, blah. And every time they win a game, that number goes back 10 years, right? Or 20 years. Every, the Browns, if the Browns win on Sunday against or on Monday against the Ravens, they'll be 10 and three. They haven't been 10 and three since 1964, you know, like I don't know if that pressure builds up, but I know this, the, these current Browns, they know that they, you know, like, okay, they, they beat Baltimore last year, uh, you know, week five, they ran all over them. Right. Okay. And then they got smacked in the face, you know, week one this year. Like, I, I think some of this is going to come down to, and again, total speculation, but like, you know, just they're, they're not the bullies. Like you have to stop thinking of Baltimore and Pittsburgh as like, oh, they're, it's big brother and they're just bigger and stronger and faster than us. And they just, you know, bop us in the head and, 
you know, we can't ever do anything like some of that mentality. Like if you have a really nice first quarter against the Ravens, let's say you're up 10, nothing, right. And they, they haven't really been able to move the ball. And conversely, we're, we're running okay and play action looks good. And Baker's crisp, you know, that's just, it's building confidence, right? Like you're just going to walk to the sidelines with a little bit more, you know, air in your chest, puffing it out going, okay, you know what? Maybe we can play with this team. Maybe we can beat this team. Right. And I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, maybe it's maybe I'm totally speculating here and it's ridiculous. But I, I think, you know, some of that is going to be like, look, just, you know, you, you can be the bully for once. You know, you can be the team that's feared in the division. And, and you know, maybe that's what they're doing. They're turning the corner on that. Maybe, maybe they get to 10 and three this week. Maybe they beat the Giants and the Jets. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden they're, you know, 12 and three and one game left against Pittsburgh, whatever. But so. I, I don't know. I mean, look, it, it's going to take I, I guess the, the the cardboard cutout answer is it's going to take, uh, you know, no turnovers. You're going to have to play really disciplined football, especially on defense. Uh, like you're going to have to play the most disciplined game of the entire season. Um, they're the penalties. They need to cut that down because that was another thing about the Tennessee game. They had 10 penalties for 93 yards. That's really bad. That kind of shit you can't do against a team like Baltimore. That's going to kill you. So. You got to figure that stuff out. But, you know, are they talented enough to win the game? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Do they have, you know, a smart enough coaching staff? Yeah. I mean, are they? do they have deficiencies on defense, including injuries? Of course. I mean, we've been dealing with this all year long. But, you know, if you play sound and you – I think you're going to have to win the game on offense. I think that's going to be it because I don't think this is going to be a game where – Oh, hey, the Browns held the Ravens to three field goals. They won 21 to nine. <laughs> like, that's never going to happen. This defense is not stopping, you know, or holding. You can, they might be able to contain a little bit, but so you're just going to have to win on offense. So I don't know. I, it, long story, you know, but I think basically it's going to have to be, you know, your, your identity is who you are and just go be that thing. You know, don't worry about, you know, them. Like, play to your strengths because they are, they're, they're your strengths for a reason. And I think you can hurt Baltimore by doing that. So I guess that's my answer. John, so that was an absolutely fantastic answer. And we're at 54 minutes right now. So Woo-hoo. I think we should end on that part. And we can talk about the whole Steelers thing that we talked about on a different Across the Browns show. Even if we just do like a 20-minute one and just talk about that like a playoff one. Okay. Because that was a fantastic ending. And that was like... We'll do a... Uh, thank you. And we'll do a playoff preview for sure. That's a good call. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but yeah. Oh, let's end on this. Uh, my brother Nick and I are going to the game on Monday night. So I cannot wait. Uh, it's going to be, I haven't been to a Browns game and uh, it's been a little while. So I was living in Los Angeles for six years. So yeah, you're not a real uh, fan. actually, I, I, oddly enough, we did go to, when they played the Chargers out there, I think it was like 2016, we went to the game. So that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. But, um, but yeah. So anyways, I'm very excited to go to this game. Can't wait to get down there, uh, be amongst the other Browns fans, however many they let in the stadium. And uh, yeah, my brother, Nick, he, it's for his 40th birthday. I got his tickets so we could go to the game. So very exciting. But uh, yep. So uh, yeah, that's it for me. So go Browns, obviously. And uh, let's uh, let's get to 10 and three and uh, win a game and a, a huge game in our division and our conference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone be safe out there. Yeah. Take care, everybody.